Well, it's true that entrepreneurs who earn 10 times more don't work 10 times harder. I've often been asked, what's the next logical step or steps to dramatically reducing my workload? Or do I know when it's the right time to hire? Who should I hire first? You see, if you're an overworked small firm founder or a busy business owner, and you've asked yourself questions like these, then today, day five of the Focus and Freedom Masterclass, I've got answers for you. And what I'm going to share might be somewhat surprising. Welcome to the Work Class Profit More Business Podcast for accountants, lawyers, financial advisors, and other expert professionals. I'm your host, Diana Lidstone, business strategist, marketing catalyst, known for my straight talk, no BS, and these simple strategies to get my clients awesome results so they can enjoy more joy, profit, and freedom. I can't believe today is day five. It is the last day of the workshop series. And I really, really enjoyed putting this together for you. But before we get started on today's topic, a logical seven-step sequence to dramatically reducing your workload and hiring your next staff member, I thought we should review what I shared on each day previously and see where it's actually possible to free up at least 10 hours a week without hiring the additional team member. So if we go back to part one, which was episode 86, that was about building your business with purpose, what I call your big picture vision, and how this keeps you focused. Now, truthfully, (laughs) I'm not sure how to calculate the time saved here, but I do know that for some of you who have shifted from total chaos to clarity, Perhaps you'd be willing to share your ideas with me. But there is no doubt that building your business without a clear direction or purpose does create chaos, confusion, and unexpected costs. In fact, research shows that chaos in your organization can typically cost between 3 to 8% of your total budget. Should I repeat that? Yeah. Chaos in your organization typically costs somewhere between 3 to 8% of your total budget. So if your total budget is $100,000, that means total cost is somewhere between three dollars to $8,000. So imagine a business with an overall budget of a million dollars, which is where I know some of you really aspire to go. Then chaos can cost you thirty dollars to $80,000 a year. That's significant. So what does that mean in terms of time costs? Well, I'm going to do some fancy math here and let's see if you can follow along. So let's say you're a solopreneur with a budget of $100,000. As I said, chaos costs on an average of 3 to 8%. Let's go with 5% to do easy math. That translates into $5,000. So as a solopreneur, let's say your time is worth an hour. Again, for easy math, we're going to take that $5,000 chaos cost and divide it by $500. Quick math, 10 hours. That means the chaos is costing you 10 hours of your time. So getting rid of chaos, going to clarity, creating that big picture vision has already saved you, drumroll please, 10 hours. Now, for the purists here, I know that's not perfect math, 
but it is a way of quantifying the costs of chaos. But I encourage you to do your own math. And here's what I mean. Ask yourself, if you were super duper clear on exactly and specifically what you wanted to build and focus on, what would you stop doing and how much time would you save? Or what would you double down on? So that was day one. We've already saved 10 hours. Let's look at day two or part two, which is episode 87. And that was about determining your most impactful tasks. In other words, the 20% of the tasks that drove 80% of your business results. That's focusing on the 20% of the most impactful tasks of your day, your week, your month, or your year. And what do you do with the other 80%? Defer, delete, or delegate. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look back to my business a couple of years ago, when I was the chief everything officer, or you might call it the juggler, or even the firefighter, And if I took 80% of those tasks off my plate, I'm guessing I would have saved a ton of time. Not just that, but you know those 80% of those tasks that were gone? I know that those are tasks that I probably wasn't very good at doing and that it took me much longer to do. So how many hours a week would you save if you stopped doing your bookkeeping? I'm guessing you'd save at least an hour a week and more depending on the size of your business. How much time would you save if you stopped making your own travel arrangements? How much time would you save if you stopped creating your own graphics? How much time would you save if you stopped and just fill in the blank? So for giggles, I'm going to say that by the end of day two or part two, we would have had the possibility of saving from part one, 10 hours, part two, at least one hour. And here we are already at 11 hours saved. Okay, in day three, episode 88, that was the story of Cynthia and her profit potential journey and how system saved her training time and her team became much more efficient at their jobs. With systems, Cynthia's team was able to handle more capacity and turn around more real estate deals in a week than previously. Again, research shows that a business can potentially save 10 to 30 hours a week by creating, assigning, and monitoring standard operating procedures. 10 to 30 hours a week. But let's just take an average and let's say 15. And if we total up part one, part two, part three, we've got 10 plus one plus 15, we're up to 26 hours saved. All right, let's get to part four or day four, which was episode 89, and we explored productivity. Now, I had to actually go back over my notes here, but let's take a look. Let's hit some highlights. Number one, we talked about planning, and planning saves time. Brian Tracy says that 10 minutes planning saves an hour and 40 minutes. Could just do 10 minutes of planning a week and save an hour and 40 minutes? I bet you could. Number two was the model agenda. The model agenda helps reduce distractions. And they say that if you reduce your distractions from three to zero, you save 90 minutes a day. All right. Number three in productivity was about saying no. We won't go there. Number four was about recharging. It's essential, but I couldn't quantify it. But if we go to number five, which was about automating with tools, then we can start looking at some more quantification. So I looked at calendar bookings, those systems that a lot of us use, but many people don't. 
Instead of sending emails back and forth, right, we use a calendar booking system. I did two of those today. I'm sure it saved me a minimum of 20 minutes of going back and forth. If you use Loom to reduce your meeting time, as I suggested in that episode, it says, you know, Loom can help you reduce meetings by 50%. I'm guessing a lot of you spend at least an hour a week in a meeting. Save 50%, that's 30 minutes. StreamYard. I use StreamYard to stream live on three social media platforms instead of one. So let's say I go live for five minutes on all three platforms, but I only do it once. It saves me 10 minutes. So if I add up these from episode 89, it's almost three hours. It's 2.6 hours. So our week's total of hours saved kind of looks like this. Part one, big picture vision, we save 10 hours. Part two, impactful tax, we save one. Systems, we save 15. Productivity, 2.6. Drum roll, please. Drop the confetti, pop the champagne. 28.6 hours saved. How would you like to do that every single week? Awesome, right? Okay. Now, I know while you're not going to implement everything in those four parts, and not everything is quantifiable exactly this way, and perhaps your business isn't exactly like the ones I talked about, but I'm pretty sure it gives you a pretty good idea that it's pretty easy to dramatically reduce your workload and save up to 10 hours a week if you really get focused. Now, perhaps you've done all that and you're really efficient with your time, and you're still bursting at the seams, and you think it's time to hire. Now, I don't mean a, you know, hire a VA to do a little of this or a graphic designer to do a little of this. I'm talking about if you're a firm founder, a firm owner, or an agency, and you're looking to grow to the million-dollar mark and beyond, whom do you hire, when do you hire, and what do you need to put in place before you hire? That's what I'm going to help you out with in this very logical seven-step sequence, and it's all so you don't burn out. Now, I do want to review a framework that I use with all my clients, whether it's to take them to 250K, whether it's to take them to a million dollars and beyond. It's the same framework that I use, and it is something I call my GROW equation. So very quickly... I'm going to walk you through this, but you can see a graphic in the show notes. And I've previously talked about the nine activators of the GROW equation. But here's how the GROW equation goes. There's three main parts. G, it's all about getting noticed, then getting known, then getting chosen. Like going from the best kept secret to the undeniable authority. That is mainly marketing. The R is about ramping up your profits. It's about planning for profit, and it's your metrics, your pricing all that good stuff. The O is about optimizing your resources. Your resources are things like your team, your systems, you. So if you take G plus R plus O equals W, and that spells grow. W stands for a well-oiled business machine that brings you a ton of joy, profit, and freedom. That's the framework. But there is a sequence of doing the right activities in the right time in your business for maximum impact. And that's the seven-step sequence that I'm going to talk about here. Okay, are you ready? 
I hope you've got your workbook. And if you don't, I really highly recommend you go to dianalidstone.com slash take notes. And here is step one. Step one is the R. And you notice we're not going in order, starting with the G. We're going to start with step one, which is standardize and simplify your offerings and your pricing. Now, you might think this is a funny step, but the two key words here are standardize and simplify. Too often, business owners are working with way too many clients for way too little money and doing business in any manner that the client deems. Now, I see this very often in the accounting world, and sorry to pick on accountants, but they very often take any client, they adjust the price on whatever it happens to be, and they complete whatever service the client wants, rather than niching down to a very specific clientele. And for that specific clientele, creating standardized packages, and pricing. You see, too often we think that the client knows best or the client is right. The truth of the matter is clients often don't know exactly what they need. Remember, you're the expert and very often you have to tell them gently, this is how you work because this is what works best. In my coaching business, I offer a one-on-one business accelerator. And it's a year-long commitment. No less, no more. Why? Because that's how clients get the best results. You see, earlier in my business, I tried offering it at six months. And clients just didn't get the best results. Now, most clients come on board for a year. And they stay year after year after year. Why? Because as clients build their business, they come across what I call new levels new devils. And I'm here to help them cross those boundaries. Now, earlier I mentioned niching down. That's about, you know, working with a narrow field of clientele. And if you'd like to know more about that, head over to episode 64, which is about making more money by niching down, or episode 65, which is debunking niching myths. And if you really want something, make sure you get on my email list so you can watch out for the boot camp niche down, profit up. Okay, that is step one. Standardize and simplify your offerings. Now, once you've done that, then we move on to step two. And step two is all about the G in the GROW framework. And it's about you being able to create and focus on one inbound marketing strategy. You see, you have to get your pricing and packaging ready before you do your marketing so that when people come to you, you know exactly what you're going to be selling. Now, marketing is a big topic, and I'll do my best to explain this one in as short as time as possible. There are basically two types of marketing, inbound and outbound. Outbound is what was formerly called push marketing, or, you know, you're out there hunting. Then there's pull marketing, which is inbound. You're actually attracting prospects. Now, in order to build a repeatable, you got that word, repeatable inbound marketing system, several things need to be considered, including getting very specific and clear on your dream client, the one problem you solve for them, and the symptoms of their problem, and what type of marketing not only works for them, but for you. And I call this 
your marketing sweet spot. To explain your marketing sweet spot, imagine three interlocking circles. And I went a little deeper into this in episode 56. The three interlocking circles. One is you. You need to know the best communication style that you have. In other words, it's not what you feel most comfortable at. I've told many stories about this, but it's how your client or your prospect best resonates with you. So my best communication style is live. If I can be on a stage, I know I'm going to get clients. Now, I explain all of this in episode 24, which is fall in love with your marketing. That's one circle. The second circle is your dream client avatar or your ideal client, whatever you want to call it. This isn't so much about their demographics, but their psychographics. When and where will they show up for you? What is the best marketing experience for them? So if your ideal client is a busy business owner, do you think they're going to show up for a five-day masterclass? Or would it be better for them to show up for a short, to-the-point lunch and learn? You see, you've got to tailor your marketing experience to them. The third interlocking circle of your marketing, your inbound strategy, is your message. And this means what you're saying in all the content you're putting out there, whether it's blogs, social media, your website, your podcast, you're speaking, your book. And this truthfully is where most marketing goes wrong. It's not all that obvious. So I'm going to be a little blunt here. You could be on step two for a while until you figure this out. And it's really difficult to figure out on your own. What you need to do is create a repeatable marketing strategy one that you can dial up or dial down as required. That is my sweet spot, is helping people get really clear on their marketing. You see, there's no sense in moving to step three in this sequence until you've accomplished this one, and you'll see why in just a moment. So step one is to standardize. Step two is one inbound marketing strategy. Step three, I have a feeling it's something that a lot of people don't think about, and it's in the R of the GROW equation, and it's capacity planning and reporting. Capacity planning and reporting is something you have to figure out when you have a steady stream of incoming clients. In other words, when you got step two figured out. This is where you need to forecast the time requirements for the client's job and what the clients are going to be so that you can anticipate bottlenecks or team member overload or even firm overload right? It's so important for entrepreneurs who have a business that's specifically focused on like done for you services. So I'm thinking like accountants or my friend who has a podcast production company, he's grown and now he's at the stage where he needs a project manager to keep watch of production capacity. But it really, truthfully, it's no different than in a coaching business. You know, I could be at capacity. You need to know how many new clients you can handle. For me, if I'm talking about my one-to-one business accelerator, I know my capacity at any given time compared to, number one, my profit goals, and number two, the goals I've set for the number of hours I'm working per week. Want me to repeat that? At any given time, I know what my capacity is compared to my profit goals and the goals I've set for the number of hours I want to work per week. So if you don't pay attention to capacity, 
That's when you end up working too many hours. Your clients get disgruntled because things are late and you start heading down the burnout path. Actually, in episode 85, I talk about seven reasons why you're dramatically overworked. All right, here we go. Step four, we're actually going to get to hire somebody. And this is the O of the GROW equation. And the person that you're going to hire is the head of your customer service. That's right. At this point in your business, like I said, you've probably got a steady stream of incoming ideal clients who are willing to pay you profitable rates and you have your capacity managed. Now it's time to ensure that those clients are getting the ultimate client experience and are having all their questions and concerns answered. You don't want to be spending your time answering customer questions and concerns when someone else could easily find the answers for them. It is not the job of the CEO. You see, typically this head of customer service is a person that is experienced enough to handle all types of personalities and (laughs) difficult conversations. But in your industry, they also may need some sort of technical experience in your field of expertise so that they know how to either find the answers or give the answers without interrupting other team members. So for instance, if you're running a law practice, Your head of customer service needs to know who to send the calls to, how to best answer those customer questions, and they may need to know a little bit of legal, legalities. If you're an accountant, again, the person may need to have some level of experience in accounting. So customize this to yourself. So that's step four. Okay, now we get to step five. Now you can hire a director of operations or some people call it a COO. And this again is O of your grow equation. If you think back when you started your business and I don't know, some of you may have created an organizational chart, your name was actually attached to several roles. You were the COO, the chief marketing officer, the chief financial officer, the chief administration officer, the chief HR officer, right? You wore all the hats. But as your business grew or grows and your team builds, you find that you need to distance yourself from the day-to-day operations of your business, including administration, the finance, the HR, and the marketing. That's the role of the COO. Now, one of my clients found that she could actually promote her very smart office manager to the position of COO. The office manager was already taking care of many of the day-to-day financials and was asking as a buffer to the CEO in terms of HR. Now, it's true that promoting the office manager required some additional training, but it was great. Now, if you're looking for a resource for hiring a COO, you might want to read Cameron Harold's book, Second in Command. You see, your second in command kind of needs to be the opposite of you so that you provide this yin and yang. And your second in command needs to be able to handle people and processes. Okay, let's do a quick review. Step one, standardize and simplify your offerings right? Step two was about creating that repeatable one inbound marketing strategy. Step three, capacity planning and reporting. Step four was hiring your 
director of customer service, right? Step five was hiring the COO. And here we are, the last two. Step six, standardizing processes. And again, that is part of the O of the GROW framework. Now, while it is true that standardizing very simple processes is important as you grow your business, Truthfully, standardizing and spending a lot of time on this will not make any significant impact on your business unless you have all the other steps in place. So it is true that, you know, you could write swipe files, which I do, and you could put some basic processes in place. But it is the COO's job to ensure that absolutely everything in your business is documented. And remember, it's not your job to do it. It is the COO's job. Okay, here we are. Step seven. Step seven is the R, part of the R of the GROW equation. And it's all about strategic planning. Now, it may seem a little odd that strategic planning is number seven, the last. But here's what I know to be true. And what I've seen over and over again is that when a business owner is super overwhelmed and extremely busy, They often can't see the forest for the trees. They just can't get their head around strategic planning. All they want to do is to get into action. And the action is go back to step one, right? And standardize and simplify their offerings. You see, strategic planning is the thing that will create focus and a roadmap. And it will also help you significantly reduce your workload by setting priorities of where to focus your time. But there is a particular time and place for you to do it. So there you have it, the logical seven-step sequence for dramatically reducing your workload and hiring your next significant team member. And if you're saying, oh my God, Diana, this is more than a little overwhelming. I wish I knew someone to help me implement it. Well, I'd be honored to lend you the support. Simply book a call with me dianalidstone.com slash apply. As we wrap up this five-part workshop series, I trust that you've enjoyed this experience and that you've not just listened, but maybe you have re-listened and listened again. And I hope that you have taken action because knowledge, although it's a wonderful thing, knowledge alone won't move the needle in your business. Knowledge alone won't reduce your workload, won't increase your joy, your profit, or your freedom. You need to implement, but here's the catch. You need to implement the right strategies in the right order at the right time in your business. Again, thanks for listening. It's been my honor to join up with you in this five-part journey. Remember, you can do this. You've been listening to the Work Less, Profit More podcast for accountants, lawyers, financial advisors, and other experts who want more joy, profit, and freedom in your business. Hey, Diana here again. If you've enjoyed this five-part workshop series, I'd be so appreciative if you would leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. That's right, on Apple Podcasts. And I'll share the link in the show notes just to make it easier for you. Bye for now.